0: Hi, everyone. It is Nurse Mo and welcome back to the Straight A Nursing Podcast. It is episode 76. And today we're going to talk about how you can absolutely bulletproof your medication administration with the five rights. So in nursing school, there's a lot of rules, and to be honest, some of them don't make that much sense to me. Rules about tattoos, the color of your shoes, how long your hair is, some of them just add a lot of unnecessary stress. But there are some rules that I absolutely love because they're designed to keep both you and your patients Very, very safe. So, few things in life are absolute, but I have to say, I think this one might be. It is my favorite rule of all of them. And I believe in it so much that I'm going to say it again. If you follow the rules of medication administration to the letter, you will not be able to make a medication error. Now, Does that take a load off or what? So I am going to go through all of these rules with you, and we'll break them down one by one. So you'll hear a lot of people say the five rights, and those are the core five rights of medication administration. I've actually got a list that goes up to... I want to say 11. Yes, my list goes up to 11, but we're going to start with the five rights because your school is definitely at least going to teach you five ways to bulletproof your medication administration. And then we'll take it even farther with an additional six to really lock it in. So the five rights of medication administration are the right patient, the right med, the right time, the right dose, and the right Route. So let's talk about each one of these one at a time. So, the right patient. So, the rule here ensures that you are giving your medication to the proper patient. So what this means is checking two unique identifiers with your patient, and that's typically going to be your patient's name and their birth date or their name and their medical record number. So a lot of times we'll ask the patient, state your name and your birthday and they'll tell us. You can't really ask a patient, state your name and your medical record number because they'll look at you like you have four heads. So having the patient state their name and their birth date is a great way to double check their identity. Many hospitals also use those scanners for the patient's armband. That is another way you're going to check, but I don't want you to do that and rely only on that. If the patient is awake and can participate, Ask them their name and their birthday as well. Maybe they've got the wrong armband on, guys. It happens. So you'll look at the information on that armband and then ask them or ask the family, verify your name and your birth date, please. And they will do that. And they are happy to do that because they realize you're doing that to keep them safe. Okay. So that's number one, the right patient. The second right of medication and administration is the right medication. So it's very, very important, guys, that you double check, triple check, quadruple check that you're giving the right medication to your patient. A lot of meds look alike, uh, sound alike, like uh, dopamine and dobutamine, very similar. Some meds come in a different color or a different shape depending on the manufacturer. So the the yellow pill you gave yesterday that was round is today a little square that's white, but it's the same pill. You always have to check. I don't know if it would be that big of a difference, but I'm just saying they can often look different. Or maybe this has happened to me. Maybe whoever stocked the Pixis machine accidentally put the pill packets in the wrong slot. So, always, always double checking that the medication in your hand is what you expect it to be. You also want to check the printed name on the medication when you're pulling it from the med room and again at the bedside. So, I like to check it in the bedroom because not only Is it right there at the place where I'm pulling it? But that's a distraction-free zone. We call it a red zone. And when you're in that red zone, no one is supposed to talk to you or distract you. And as you start working as a nurse, you will realize having a moment where there are no distractions is a blessing. So take advantage of that red zone because I promise you, when you get into the room and you're working with patients or you're working with patients and their families, they will be asking you things and interrupting you constantly as you're trying to think through your patient's meds. So check the meds in the med room, and then again at the bedside against your mar, against what's on the computer screen. And oftentimes, if it's a patient's med that they take at home normally, um, I'll ask if they're familiar with it and all of that. And if they say, oh my gosh, I've never taken that med, that might be a sign that something is amiss it's always possible that they've been started on a new med of course by the md but just double checking the medications because you are going to be doing education on all the meds you're giving anyway and it's important to find out if it's a new medication for them that they understand what some of the side effects are and um what the medication is being used for. So speaking of family members interrupting you while you're giving meds, it is absolutely fine to put them off for a moment and say something like, I would be happy to answer your questions in just a moment. I'm going to be giving medications now and I need to focus on doing that safely. We'll go through each medication as I give it, but right now I need to just make sure I have all of the right doses and all of the right medications. And people are generally fine with that. They realize you're setting those boundaries for the patient's safety. So that was number two, the right medication. Number three is the right time. So you've got your correct medication. You're giving it to the correct patient. But are you giving it at the right time? So you'll have two different kinds of medications to give scheduled medications and PRN medications. So PRN medications are as needed. And these have to be given at specified intervals. For example, it might say morphine 2 milligrams Q4 hours PRN. So if you're giving morphine, and you gave it at nine, you cannot give another dose until at least four hours have passed. So you cannot give any more until it's been at least uh, four hours, which would be 1300, right? Nine, 10, 11. Yeah, 1300. So making sure that you're not giving a PRN medication too early. And then we have scheduled meds, and those are due at set times. So at the facility where I work, There's a window of opportunity surrounding the due time on that med for what's considered late or outside of the parameter. And that's an hour on each side. So if the medication is scheduled for 9 a.m., that medication can be given between 8.01 a.m. and 9.59 a.m. So an hour on either side of that 9 a.m., When I was a student, however, at the same facility, our clinical professor wanted us to be a little tighter with that, and she would give us a 30-minute window on either side of that due time, which was basically fine because we really only had a couple of patients that we were working with anyway. But you always want to check and see what the expectation and the policy is so that you can plan your day. Okay, so that was PRN medications. Specific time intervals, you cannot be early on that. And scheduled medications, there may be a little window on either side. You want to check and make sure that you're following your policy. And then number four is the right dose. So you always want to make sure, of course, that you're giving the proper dose to the patient. Are you supposed to give two tablets, half a tablet? If it's an IV medication, have you drawn up the correct number of mils in your syringe? With this step, I want you to really think through the dosage and ensure you're giving the right amount. So I would say one of the biggest mistakes I've seen happen is giving a med and then realizing, like if it's a tablet or something, that you were supposed to cut it in half. So this happened to me a long time ago. Um I was taking care of a patient who was getting aspirin with a suppository and giving suppositories to an intubated and sedated patient is kind of a big group project because you've got to get someone to h- turn the patient and hold them and then you give the medication and depending on how much other stuff they have going on there might be another person there to watch the lines or the ventilator tubing or whatever. So when the when the people showed up to help me, I had to be ready to go. So I grabbed my suppository, so focused on the mechanics of moving this patient that I completely forgot to cut the suppository in half. Of course, I remembered as soon as it was just right outside of my grasp. And that's always how mistakes happen, right? So this happened, I immediately had to go fess up because you cannot cover up ever a medication administration error. I don't ever want you to do that. If you make a medication administration error, you have to tell someone. Do you understand? So I found the ordering physician, told her what had happened, and that I had given, you know, 325 milligrams of aspirin instead of whatever the half dose of that was. And she said, oh, it's fine. It's fine. Don't worry about it. But I had to go tell somebody any way thank goodness it wasn't something like um you know too much morphine or too much insulin or something like that so um it taught me a very very good lesson though even if there are a lot of moving parts take your time slow down if you need to cut something in half definitely cut it in half okay Here's another little tip I want to share with you guys. If you ever find yourself having to open multiple vials, multiple pill packs, I want you to step back and ask yourself if you are sure you have the correct dose. Ask another nurse to check your math. Call the pharmacy for an expert consultation. Yes, there are times when you're giving your patient five, uh Renville is because they are a kidney patient and that's their normal dose or three or four gabapentin capsules. But if you're opening a lot of different vials of something, that's usually or often a sign that you've done your math wrong and you need to double check it. So Giving the right dose, very important. If you ever give the wrong dose, you immediately must tell the ordering physician. So A, they know. B, your integrity remains intact. And C, if there is any potential harm for the patient, it can be mitigated to the best of everyone's abilities at that time. Okay, so that's number four. Number five is the right Route. So, you also want to make sure that you're giving the medication by the proper route. Some medications are PO liquids that you would not inject into an IV, right? Some medications are liquids that just soak under the tongue. You wouldn't have the patient swallow them. Um, just things like that, I want you to really think about. Sometimes lactulose, which patients can drink, or The pharmacy and the MD, the MD actually may order as an enema. So you always have to make sure you're giving it by the correct route. Sometimes insulin is given sub-Q. Sometimes insulin is given IV. Haldol can be given as an IV or an IM. So always, always know which route you're using. If you're ever having to jimmy something together to give a medication, I want you to step back and ask yourself if you're doing the right thing. So I don't remember how many years ago this was, but a nurse hooked up a patient's tube feeding to their IV somehow. So those two tubing components... Don't have anything in common, and I cannot figure out how she was able to get the tube feeding connected to an IV. Uh, Maybe the set they were using had a connector that would work with an IV. I have no idea, but it was absolutely devastating, and the patient did not survive. So if you're interested in reading about that incident, I will link to it in the uh, blog post associated with this episode, okay? Okay. Now, that was five rights. Let's just talk about what they were real quick. Right patient, right medication, at the right time, in the right dose, by the right route. But actually, I've got more because I want you to bulletproof your medication administration. So we'll talk about them here. Number six, the right indication. It's really important that you know why you're giving the medication. You have to understand, as the nurse, what the medication is for to even understand what it's intended to do. You want to understand the critical thinking behind it. So for example, your patient has atrial fibrillation and has metoprolol ordered. So metoprolol is a beta blocker. And it's commonly used as an antihypertensive. You notice that the patient's blood pressure is 110 over 65. So, are you going to think, I'm not going to give them their metoprolol because they don't have hypertension? Their blood pressure is fine. Okay, so this is a moment where you did not understand. the indication. And that's because the patient is not getting the beta blocker for blood pressure control. He's actually getting that beta blocker for rate control. Because remember, he's got AFib. Patients with AFib often have an associated tachycardia. So by knowing that your patient was prescribed a beta blocker for rate control, you would know, oh, it's important that he get his beta blocker so that his heart rate doesn't jump up to 130, okay? So let's say you gave the patient the metoprolol, and you have to know why you were giving it to know if it was effective. So let's say you gave the metoprolol, but their heart rate remained over 110, but you thought the metoprolol was for blood pressure, and the blood pressure is fine. Has the medication had the desired effect? It has not. But you would only know that if you knew that he was getting it for rate and not hypertension. So always know the indication for the medications that you're giving. Number seven is the right formulation. You want to make sure that the formulation matches what was ordered. For example, I did an episode recently on nitroglycerin. Nitroglycerin comes in so many different forms You wanna make sure that if an ointment is ordered, an ointment is what's given. If extended release tablet is ordered, extended release tablet is what was given, not the sublingual tablets. You wanna make sure they get the right formulation. And then number eight is the right documentation. So you always want to chart your medication administration in a timely manner, as well as any data that goes along with that. So for example, if you're giving your patient an antihypertensive medication for a blood pressure of 188 over 110, make sure that you have that, that blood pressure documented and then recheck the blood pressure later to document their response to that medication. Okay. And if you're giving a PRN medication, like let's say you're giving Tylenol for a temperature above 101.5, you want to make sure that the temperature of 101.8 is documented so that if someone goes back to look at the chart and says, well, why did you give the Tylenol? It's clear that you gave it for the right reason. So always document correctly and always document as you're giving the medication. Number nine is the right response. So this one dovetails with number six, talking about indication. You give the medication and then you want to observe the patient to see if they have had that response that you've expected. So Let's talk some more about high blood pressure. Our patient has high blood pressure. We're going to give him 10 milligrams of IV hydralazine. Giving 10 milligrams of IV hydralazine, I'd be pretty confident that my patient's blood pressure would come down. And I would realize they may have an associated tachycardia with that that's very transient. So knowing what I'm expecting to see and matching that with what I do see tells me if the patient has the desired effect. And then if I see that tachycardia, I know, oh, that's probably going to go away in a minute or two. And it usually does. So knowing what the response to the medication should be helps you with your follow-up assessments. Number 10 is the right compatibility. Huge pet peeve of mine, guys. So if you're hanging an IV piggyback medication, or you're connecting two IV infusions at that Y site on the tubing, you always need to check the IV compatibility between those two medications. So something I see all the time, and it makes me bonkers, is a patient will have lactated ringers running as their primary IV infusion. And then their IV piggyback medication will be there, and someone gave it, because the bag is still there, it's not compatible with lactated ringers because lactated ringers has some calcium in it. Calcium is not play nice with a lot of drugs. So, ceftriaxone is a great example of this. If you've got your patient with lactated ringers running as their primary and you hang ceftriaxone as a secondary off of that, those two drugs are going to mix a little bit. And when Ceftriaxone is combined with lactated ringers, it can form a precipitate in the blood that can injure the patient's lungs, their kidneys, their gallbladder. It's not good for the patient. So, anytime I've got lactated ringers running as my primary and I've got IV piggybacks to give, I will set up a separate set just for the piggybacks. I'll put a little bag of saline to be, you know, kind of the carrier for the piggyback medication and then get my piggybacks running with saline and not lactated ringers for that reason, because of that calcium component in the LR. Another tip is that if any solution becomes cloudy or discolored when combined with another substance, you will stop what you're doing and double check compatibility. Just because something like LR, lactated ringers, is a common IV solution does not mean that you can just piggyback or mix anything and everything in with it. So always checking, looking at what's in your syringe, and like the other day, I went to give a patient some, what was it, fentanyl, I believe. And when I attached the syringe to the port on the IV tubing, and I drew back a little bit because I wanted to dilute my fentanyl with some normal saline, my fentanyl turned green. And that to me was alarming. And I hope it would be alarming to you as well. Turns out it was just some Something that they used in pre-op it was benign, but because I did not know that at the time, better to be safe than sorry. I took that whole IV set down, hung a new one, got fresh fentanyl, and gave uh, gave it that way. So anytime something changes colors, becomes cloudy, forms precipitate, you always want to triple check that you're doing the right thing and that things are compatible. And then number eleven, the last one. And our five rights that grew to 11 is the right contraindications. So I always want you to be aware of any contraindications that could alert you to reasons not to give a medication. So a big one here is allergies, of course. So you'll always check a patient's allergies before giving them a medication. And especially if you're giving patients something for the very first time, like an IV antibiotic, hang out and make sure they're not going to have an allergic reaction in those first few minutes because if they do, it can be a very serious thing. So if I'm giving someone an antibiotic, like an IV antibiotic for the first time, I try to hang out in the room for the first bit just to make sure that they don't have a reaction. Some other contraindications would be things like um, metoprolol. Like a lot of drugs will have hold parameters. So metoprolol is a great example of that. It'll be ordered, like let's say it's ordered at 9 a.m. every day. and But it'll have a hold parameter typically saying hold for heart rate less than 60 or systolic blood pressure less than 90. So if the patient's blood pressure is 88, systolic or their heart rate's 54, that would be a contraindication to giving them a So know what your contraindications are. Opioids are often contraindicated, and if they're not expressly written as contraindicated, your critical thinking would make them contraindicated for patients who have respiratory depression. So um, hypoventilation, low O2-sat, a rate less than 8 or whatever. You would not be giving opioids because they would be contraindicated. Another one is uh, drugs that affect the QT interval, which don't worry if you don't know what that means. It's a measurement on the EKG. But some medications can prolong the QT interval, putting the patient at risk for deadly cardiac arrhythmias. So, Giving Haldol, for instance, you would know, I need to check their QT interval before I give Haldol because Haldol can prolong that QT interval even more. And if it's already on the long side, that might not be a good thing for your patient to prolong it even more. So Haldol would be contraindicated in a patient who has a long QT interval already. So the very last thing I want to leave you with is when you're giving your medications is slow down. Take your time, think things through, think the situation through, and if you're unsure about anything, even a tiny little bit, that's the little nurse angel on your shoulder when you hear that little voice that makes you think, hmm, should I... Yes, (laughs) the answer is yes. That's the little angel voice on your shoulder protecting your license and if you're a student protecting your clinical placements that you can graduate and become a nurse. So listen to that little voice. If you're ever unsure about anything, ask. I promise you will never, ever regret speaking up for patient safety ever. And because this was a lot, I have made for you guys a free download outlining these 11 rights of medication administration as a way for you to bulletproof how you give meds to patients. And you can get that at straightanursingstudent.com forward slash 76. So again, that's at straightanursingstudent.com forward slash 76. So that's it for this week, guys. Let's see what we're talking about next week. And that is going to be Cushing's disease and Addison's. So endocrinology, very complicated. And I find that a lot of times it's best to study the the diseases that are kind of polar opposites of each other together. It really helps you differentiate between the two. So we'll be talking about Cushing's and Addison's next week, and we'll see you then. Bye-bye. This podcast is brought to you by Straight A Nursing.